This is Christian Questions. Frank Clark once said, If you can find a path with no obstacles, it probably doesn't lead anywhere. (laughs) Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions, talk radio with a purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles. Switch mics, Jonathan. That's uh, something that you're, you're like in an, an echo tunnel there. So what were you saying? Uh, what I was saying was <laughs> <laughs> that per- our perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. And Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we are truly glad you've chosen to spend some time with us here on this fine Sunday morning. Boy, it's cold outside today. Oh, it is. There's crunchy frost on the ground. Crunchy. That's how cold it is. (laughs) Good morning, Jonathan. What's happening? What's going on? Well, Rick, our question for this morning is, a world in chaos, should we be afraid? And our theme text is found in Luke chapter 21, verse 25. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. A world in chaos. We've got the Ebola uh, virus. We've got war between Palestinians and Israel. We've got Iraq being plundered by ISIS. We've got uh, Christians in the Middle East being persecuted and killed. We've got worldwide anti-Semitism on the rise. We've got the tenuous problems with Russia and Ukraine. In our country, lawlessness at the southern border, government scandals over the IRS, health care system, and Benghazi, a skyrocketing national debt. Shall I continue? I could, you know. <laughs> it goes on and on. <laughs> it certainly seems that chaos and unrest are spreading faster than ever before. What should we be doing? Should we be afraid? And, Jonathan, this is a kind of an in- interesting topic this morning. We're going to be touching on several different areas of life that uh, are very unsettling. It's true, Rick, and it's interesting how everything is so connected in our world today. If something happens somewhere... Everybody else is affected. It's, right. it's like so so fragile. Yeah, there's there's almost nothing that happens that everybody doesn't know about. Yeah, and uh, things and, and you know that can actually make things things seem to be bigger than they really are. Good point. Because it's so well publicized and dr- it's dramatic and dramatized. <laughs> yes, yes, and 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 so. Uh, it, it is quite quite an interesting scenario that we face uh, in, in our world today. And really, so, so Jonathan, this morning we're going to be focusing on a lot of current events, and we're going to be focusing on fear. And that's not a very nice thing to be focusing on. No, definitely not. But fear is sort of an underlying theme that we're going to be dealing with this morning. Should we be afraid when we see all these things happening? And as we present these different things, we're going to be looking at them as, as though these are, are storm clouds. You know, big, dark threatening storm clouds. So very symbolic. Yes. Yes, that's right. Okay. And with each storm cloud that we look at, these dark, threatening, uh, powerful storm clouds, we're going to also be looking at the silver lining of every storm cloud. Oh, that's good. Because so for every difficulty that we're going to be talking about that has to do with fear and trepidation and and that sense of not knowing what to do, we want to look at it from the standpoint of, well, wait a minute, 
it's not as bad as we think. Now, it can be as bad as we think, but the long-term picture is not as bad as we think. Okay. How's that? All right. That's All right? good. I like so, that. So let, let's start. What, what does the word fear mean? Well, Rick, it means an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Okay. And, and that, that's a, a great definition. It's a dictionary definition, so I would imagine it would be a great definition. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Uh, a couple of the other definitions. Let's put sure. them out on the table. A state marked by this emotion, anxious concern, profound rever- uh, reverence and awe, especially toward God. Uh, reason for alarm or danger. So you get this sense, and, and if you've ever been really afraid, I mean, your your whole physiology changes. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes you get a little bit short of breath. You feel the adrenaline start to pump through your system, and it's all like instantaneous. Yes. Fear changes the way we see things. And is that a good thing, or is that not a good thing in in, in terms of how we deal with it? So our conversation today is going to be all about trouble. We're surrounded by trouble of many different kinds. Each segment of the program this morning will highlight one aspect of the trouble and then a God-driven perspective on that trouble. So again, dark clouds, silver lining. Okay. So each segment, we're going to be focusing on one aspect of trouble. So each storm cloud that we uh, present is guaranteed to come with a silver lining. <laughs> you know, and, and typically, we, when we talk about a subject, we sort of build the difficulty and build it and build it and build it and then come to a solution. Yes. We're not going to do that today. We're going to uh, express a, 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 a trouble and express a solution immediately. Okay. Okay? Because that way, it just it's better that way. <laughs> it's just better. So let's talk about our first storm cloud. And folks, if you have a thought, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things here. We'd love to hear your perspective. But we want to stress that this is not a political program. Some of the things we're going to be talking about have a political side to them. We're not interested in hearing your take on the political side. We're interested in hearing your take on what should we be doing as Christians right now. Where should our minds be? Where should our actions be? Where should our hearts be? So if you have a thought, like to contribute, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. We also want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog at ChristianQuestions.com. Our first storm cloud, Jonathan, and this is a big storm cloud, and it's a dark and scary one. It is. It's financial and economic disasters. Okay, and let's start with a scripture, James 5, 1 to 3. Come now, ye rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are rusted, and their rust shall be for a testimony against you, and shall eat your flesh as fire." You have laid up your treasure in the last days. Boy, if that's not a scary storm cloud prophecy, I don't know what is. Oh, my. (laughs) Now, um, Rick, I have a question for you. Go ahead. Your riches. If you look in the world today... My name is Rich, yes. (laughs) Funny. You look in the world today, the United States is the wealthiest nation in the world. Is this verse pointing to us? Is it a target for the U.S.? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily a target for the U.S., but it is a target for the, a, a wealth system that will go awry. 
Okay. Okay, so I think the United States is part of that, though not the target of oh, it. Okay. So make no mistake, I think the United States is part of it. So let's take a look, a quick look, at our current financial position here in America now compared to our financial position at the time. Remember back in 2008, about this time of year, the mortgage crisis? Oh, yes. And yeah. everything, you know, just yeah. went belly up all mm-hmm. of a sudden overnight in the month of October. Yeah. Okay, so I want to compare where we are now and where we were then because there's some startling differences in these last six years. Okay. Okay, so the current population of the United States right now is 319 million people. All right. Back then in 2008, what was it? It was 305 million. Okay, so our population is up by about 14 million. Okay. National debt. The national debt in the United States of America right now, and I checked last night just to be sure, (laughs) is... It, right now, it's seventeen trillion nine hundred and thirty-two billion some odd dollars. Almost eighteen trillion. Almost eighteen trillion dollars. Well, Rick, back in two thousand and eight, it was about eleven trillion. So you went from eleven trillion to eighteen trillion, and, and you in know, six years. In six years. Now, see, we throw that number around trillion mm-hmm. around like, yeah, yeah, okay, so you went up a few trillion dollars. <laughs> Do you have any idea how much a trillion dollars is? It's a lot. Well, l- let me give you a, a, a graphic illustration of what a trillion dollars is. And um, when I first heard this, I actually didn't believe it, so I actually did the math. Okay. okay? So he- here's the way it works. If you had a stack of $1,000 bills, mm-hmm. to get a million dollars in a stack of $1,000 bills, the stack would be four inches high. Okay. Okay. To get a billion dollars, that stack of $1,000 bills would now have to be 33 feet high. All right. Okay. Okay. To get to a trillion dollars, you know how high that stack of thousand dollars bills has to be? How high? Sixty-one miles high. Whoa. Miles. Miles. Sixty-one. It's either sixty-one or sixty-three. What's a couple of miles among friends? Save a tree. (laughs) Save a tree. (laughs) The point is, that's how much one trillion dollars is, and we we look at a national debt of of about eighteen trillion dollars. That's an incredible, that's an unimaginable amount of money. Now, you were talking about uh, a trip to Chicago from Connecticut right. during the break. So if you, if, you, if you laid down the $18 trillion, mm-hmm. $1,000 bills, laid them down by the highway, okay. you could drive alongside of those $1,000 bills from Connecticut to Chicago. And still have extra. That's 15 plus <laughs> hours of driving. Buy a stack of $1,000 bills oh that just fell my. over. <laughs> That's crazy. That's how big. And, and, and so again, should we be afraid? That's an awful lot of, how do you pay back that kind of money? I mean, and we won't, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gross, domec- gross domestic product right now is about $17 trillion a year. 2008, Rick, it was 14. Okay, so that's good. It's gone up by $3 trillion. Our current real unemployment, you know, the interesting thing about... Wasn't that billion? Um, No, that's trillion. That's trillion, okay. Yeah. No, that is, uh, that yeah, is billion. It, I, yeah, I think so. Anyway, it's a lot. <laughs> um, you know, current real unemployment, the interesting thing about unemployment is they don't count you as being unemployed once you're off the unemployment rolls. Oh. So once you've stopped looking for work, you're not you're you, not you, you're not oh, counted no. in the statistic. Oh, no. So the current real unemployment, people who are out of work but could be working in in the 25 to 55 category okay. is 17 million 900,000 people. Well, in 2008, Rick, it was at 13 a million 500. So it's up dramatically it is. from 2008. It is. Yeah. People not in the labor force. Uh 92 million people now. 
And in 2008, it was 80 million. People on food stamps right now, 46 million people. And in 2008, it was only 32.7 So, again, you have these numbers going up dramatically. Oh, they are. People on Social Security disability right now is just about 11 million, 10,954,000. And in 2008, it was 800 and... 8 million. 8,300,000. Right. Wow. So... What what do all these numbers mean? Trouble. This, yeah, well, it does. It does. It means it means that financially we are not stable here. Should, this, this is chaos. It is in in a lot of ways. It is chaos. Now, should we be afraid? Let's go to a soundbite, Jonathan. This is uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's uh, inaugural address in 1933, after the stock market crash, when things were beginning to fall apart around him and around the country. And depression had swallowed America. Confidence in leadership in Herbert Hoover was shattered, and need, he needed to attack the problem. Uh, so here's what he said. This preeminently the time to speak the truth frankly and boldly. Nor need we shrink from honestly facing conditions in our country today. This great nation will endure as it has endured will revive and will prosper. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. So very powerful words oh, wow. about saying, look, you know, you have to take the problems on and, and plow forward. What a strength, strength of a leader. It was. It was. Here's the silver lining from a spiritual standpoint for right now, because we painted a pretty bleak picture of where the, the, the direction we've been going. Yes. The silver lining, going back to James chapter 5, let's go to verses 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the presence of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and later rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So really what that verse is saying is after the verse where their gold and silver is going to be cast into the streets, it's really saying that the presence, the return of Jesus, is going to oversee the rebuilding of society, not on society's terms, but on God's terms through Jesus. And see, that is... Which a, is an eternal right. fix. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not a national fix. No. It's not a political fix no. because there is none. It is an eternal fix. God Almighty through Jesus, that is our silver lining to a very dark cloud. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, a world in chaos, should we be afraid? Coming up, honesty, a condition lacking today. What about politics? Who is being honest? Are we taught in society it's better to get ahead than to tell the truth? Really? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, a world in chaos. Should we be afraid? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, just a, just a, a, a 
bit of disclosure. The in, the numbers that we used in the first segment came from a website, uh, usdebtclock.org. Very fascinating website that just shows you numbers, uh, and, and you know, it's just giving you cold, hard facts. Rick, I just checked it out. It's, yeah. it's quite an amazing uh, website, and the debt is going up. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah, I did know that. <laughs> it, it's Every scary. second, it is scary. it's going up. So, so, you know, you have a financial crisis, and, and in James it said, okay, you know, the return of Jesus is going to eventually solve all of that. There's a silver lining, but it's still a dark storm cloud, and the storm is going to have to come. Okay, that's the yes, thing. Yes. But you got to get through the storm to uh, to get to the calm that's after the storm. So now let let's go to an, another subject matter here, the subject matter of honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? In the world in which we live, honesty and, and integrity are very lonely. <laughs> they are. They are very. Li- As a matter of fact, let's go to a little soundbite, a little bit of music here, just to prove that point. I think you'll all recognize this. And if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. It always seems to be so hard to win. Honesty, such a lonely world. Everyone is so untrue. All right, Jonathan. I, maybe you know. Maybe it was the um, the uh, the soundbite that was making all that interference. I don't know. Anyway, Billy Joel, part of the song "Honesty," very uh, uh, well known amongst us all. But again, honesty—it's such a lonely word. And our second storm cloud that we're looking at is dishonesty, especially on the part of those with power. Now, again, to illustrate this point, this is nothing new. This is something that is continuing. Let's go back to the time of Jesus. And some of the things that he dealt with in terms of dishonesty on the part of those uh, with, with power. Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. All right, so... Here, so, so Jesus is gathering this massive, massive crowd, and he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So he's saying the leaven of the Pharisees. This is a very revealing statement. Sin is, is, is pictured in leaven. Yes, it is. Okay, so the sin of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. So Jesus identifies it, and then he gives a prophecy to explain God's handling of, of that matter. So let's go to, Jonathan, uh, Luke 12. Let's now go to verses 2 and 3. Okay, I don't think my mic is working. Oh, okay. Uh, can you tell? No, no you're on. You're, you're good. I don't think... Okay, all right. All right, so um, you said Luke 12, 1 and uh, 3? We read 1 and 2, yeah. uh, verses one, 1 to 3. Um, but there is nothing covering up that will be revealed and hidden that will not be known. According, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. So Jesus' prophecy is really simple. He's saying, look, everything that's been hidden is, in fact, going to be revealed. So the dishonesty, the hiding of things, the way the Pharisees did it, has continued and continued and continued to today 
But all of those things are going to be revealed. And, th- and that in itself is a little bit of a silver lining. You're right, it is. T- to this very dark, dark stor- storm cloud. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Isaiah twenty four eighteen. Whoever flees at the sound of the terror shall fall into the pit. The Christian does not live in fear, but acts in faith. If you live in an area impacted by Ebola, for example, you take responsible precautions. But God protects you, not worry. Micah 7, 8. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. After reasonable action and letting go of worry, the most important state for the Christian is prayer. A state of being in prayer. Prayer for oneself and for others. Prayer that rises up. Do not cloak yourself in worry, but cloak yourself in God. Jude 20. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. There's a little bit of silver lining right there. Thank you, Randall. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And, and those are really, really good um, uh, scriptures and illustration. We shouldn't live in fear. We should act in faith. Sometimes that's easier said than done. Yeah, you're and, right. And in the world in which we live, we have to be very careful to, to really focus on those things. So we're going to be looking at a storm, the storm cloud of dishonesty and a lack of integrity. Now, we're going to give a, a soundbite here, Jonathan, and I want to give a disclosure ahead of time. All right, because okay. this is not a political program, and no, we are not trying to make a political statement with this particular soundbite. Okay, the following is just one small example of the lack of integrity that we experience in our society and government today. We're not making political statements or choosing a political side. We're simply using a current and convenient example to make a point. And I, when I was thinking about what would the example be, this came up in the news, and it was very, very clear. This is a soundbite of Jonathan Gruber. He was one of the architects of the Affordable Care Act, uh, speaking at a, in a panel uh, a year ago about the construction of the act and what was said about it to the public versus what was in the bill. L- listen to his words describing what he had a hand in developing. The, this bill was written in a tortured way to make sure CBO did not score the mandate as taxes. If CBO scored the mandate as taxes, the bill dies. Okay? So it was written to do that. In terms of, in terms of risk-rated subsidies, if you had a law which said healthy people are going to pay in, it made explicit that healthy people pay in and sick people get money, it would not have passed. Okay, just like the people, transparent lack of transparency is a huge political advantage, and basically, you know, call it the stupidity of the American voter or whatever. But basically, that was really, really critical to getting the thing to pass. And you know, it's the second best argument. Look, I wish Mark was right; we could make it all transparent. But I'd rather have this law than not. So it's kind of like his reporter story. You know, yeah, there's things I wish it could change, but I'd rather have this law than not. So really, what he's saying is. Do whatever you must do to get what you think is the most important thing. Being deceptive, out and out lying, covering things up doesn't matter. He's saying the end justifies the means. You'd lose your job. <laughs> well, we would, yes. <laughs> if yeah. you lied yes. blatantly like that. Yeah, and, and, but see, and again, it, that, that, that soundbite is, is focused on the Affordable Care Act. We are not making a political statement one way or another about the Affordable Care Act. What we're saying is this is symptomatic 
of what happens in the environment of government. Where's the honesty? Right. I don't care what party you're talking about. I don't care what the issue is that you're talking right. about. What you hear and what you see is often not the reality of the, of the situation. A lack of integrity. Exactly. So does the end justify the means? I mean, are, are people... Do the, does the average person, should they have a say based on what's real and true, or should they have a say based on what you want them to think? Mm-hmm. See that those oh, are, man. and again, it's all of the political environment. Yes, it is. This is a storm cloud, Jonathan. So here's the value of the words we speak. Notice, now let's go back to Jesus. Jesus is not going to be referring to the value of what we want as an end result, but he's referring to the value of the pathway of the words that we use. So Matthew 12 33 to 37, Jesus is actually telling us that the ends do not justify the means. He's telling us the means are what God looks at in terms of judgment. And that is very, very powerful. Matthew 12, 33 to 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out his good treasure, what is good. And the evil man brings out his evil treasure, which is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So you notice Jesus doesn't say here, by your intentions... No, he doesn't. You will be justified. <laughs> you know, right. you want to do things because you believe it's better for everybody. He's saying, by your words, by what you do, will be the judgment upon you. And when I say upon you, I mean upon us. us. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely, yes. positively, unequivocally. So we we are in a world where the idea of saying what's convenient is just acceptable, rather than speaking what is true. Because, you know, sometimes truth is not convenient. Sometimes truth is not easy. Sometimes truth won't get you the reaction that you'd like to have. But truth is truth. Yes, it is. And the storm cloud is the lack of disclosure of truth. Uh, great, a great quote here from Charles West. We turn to God for help when our foundations are shaking, only to learn that it is God who is shaking them. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what we see in the world today. We do. You know, we see the, 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 the collapse of integrity in, in starting from the top and working its way down. Yes. And you say, wow, that's terrible. Well, this is God. God's wrath will be upon the human race to shake and pull apart all of those things that are, that are against God and against righteousness. And we should take heart in that even though it's very uncomfortable, especially if, if you're sitting there right in the middle of it. So what's the silver lining, right? All right, so what is the silver <laughs> lining? Because we're talking about every, you know, lying is everywhere and a lack of integrity is everywhere. What's the silver lining? Well, let's go to a scripturally principled answer for all of this. Let's go to start with Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. And folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866 866- 985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget, you can tweet us at CQNet Radio. All right, Ecclesiastes. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So the conclusion, 
in Ecclesiastes, the conclusion drawn is fear God and keep his commandments. Right. So it's a simple, simple conclusion. Fear, reverence God, keep his commandments. Well, what are the commandments of God? Exodus 20:16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And, you know, you take that principle and you can apply it in every human interaction we have with everybody else. Right, because everyone's our neighbor. Right. We're part of the human family. Right. So we need to be truthful and honest and full of integrity toward everyone else. These are the scripturally based answers. What should we be doing as Christians? We should be honest like that. Yes. We should be forthright. We should be uh, on, on top of the game, so to speak. Not necessarily involved in the political activities, but involved in making sure that we are speaking and standing for what is true. Deuteronomy 25:13 to 15. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a full and a just weight. You shall have a full and just measure, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So, again, in Deuteronomy, it's giving us a principle that you don't have a different set of measures for when you're, you are doing your, your selling to somebody. Yeah, no cheating and no stealing. Right, here. That's right. the point. And, and it does, so it doesn't matter who it is on the other side of the counter. Be fair. Exactly. Be fair, be honest, be full of integrity. So the scriptures give us the silver lining to this very, very dark cloud of dishonesty. And it said, the scriptures say, we must be above it. The ends do not, in any case, justify the means. God looks at the means. So how are we expressing the means to the end that we focus on? And it starts in our hearts. It really, truly does. As a Christian, stand above the fray. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, a world in chaos, should we be afraid? Coming up, is anti-Semitism a real threat to our civilization? How prevalent is it? Do we like to find scapegoats for our troubles? Really? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, a world in chaos, should we be afraid? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. That's right. CQ Rewind, the full edition, exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.com. And the reason you want to do that for this program is because you want to see the silver lining. That's right. You want to see it and be able to look at it again and again and again. And we also have uh, some extra comments in the bonus material about dealing with fear and putting it into the context of faith. So uh, Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, free service, ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, our first storm cloud was uh, the financial and economic disasters that we faced. The second storm cloud was dishonesty, especially on the part of those with power. What is the third storm cloud? Well, Rick, the third is the growing roots of anti-Semitic sentiment and actions. And how bad is anti-Semitism in this world? CBS2 New York News, little soundbite here, giving us some some statistics on that. Anti-Semitism is more widespread than you might think. The Anti-Defamation League conducted its first global survey and says the results are sobering. 
CBS 2's Dick Brennan here now with more. Dick? Well, Dana, the poll asked 11 questions based on age-old Jewish stereotypes about power, loyalty, money, and behavior. People who responded yes to six or more negative statements about Jews are considered to hold anti-Semitic attitudes. The poll by the Anti-Defamation League says around the world, some 26% of those surveyed are deeply infected by anti-Semitic views, and 35% have never heard of the Holocaust. It's disturbing. That is disturbing. Those are disturbing numbers. 26% of people worldwide are anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Jew, if you will. It's awful. That is a storm cloud. It is. It's a, it's a massive storm cloud. And, you know, the, the, the Jewish nation is the, the chosen people of God. And there's a deep privilege and a deep responsibility in being chosen. Amos 3, verses 1 and 2. Hear this word which the Lord has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family which he brought up from the land of Egypt. You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. So, great, you're chosen, and great, you get punished. As a a lot of responsibility. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility, and such punishment ends up being public. And, and you know, the thing about the, the Jewish nation, Jonathan, the Jewish faith, it's a very small group of people in the entire world. It really is. And yet they are accused of all this stuff. It's really, really amazing. Let's go Let's go to one other soundbite really quickly here. Uh, examples of the global wave of anti-Semitism. Uh, and, and, you know, what does it have to do with, it's not all about the Gaza Strip like people like to make it. Okay. It's about other things, bigger things. This, was, this we got from Fox News. I think there was an expectation that after the Nazi Holocaust that anti-Semitism would die out. In fact, the creation of Israel has given an opportunity for anti-Semites to reinvent, to rebrand their hatred and to target their target Jewish communities through the Jewish state. Right, and Rabbi, I'm going to move to you next. I mean, you spend your time educating people about the Holocaust. Is this something worrying to you? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> when you look at what's happening now, uh, the chief rabbi of Holland, his home was broken in five times. The director of international relations for the Sime Wiesenthal Center in Paris, his tires were slashed. And last week, at a so-called peaceful Palestinian demonstration, his car windows were shattered. And in Berlin, you have the, one of the main imams for the, Isl the Islamists there. He preached a sermon in where he said, Oh God, kill every last Jew. And then he reminded his listeners that the Jews are responsible for all the plagues and all the wars in the history of mankind. Now that is pure. That's exactly what the Nazis said 75 years ago. That's very disturbing. Oh, that it's is. It's very disturbing. This is a massive, massive storm cloud in the world in which we live. But what do we do about it? We have to look to scriptures for the answer. But Jonathan, first, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have David from Indiana. Good morning, David, and welcome to Christian Questions. Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, uh, Paul's uh, letters uh, to the to the churches when he was uh, being held in Rome, they're uh, really pretty excellent for uh, following uh, how 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 to take. Uh, the material world to the uh, to the fallen, the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as, as far as uh, you know, the the money goes and, and the debt. You got to remember that under this uh, unchristian, uh, un uh, this terrible monkey uh, monkey <laughs> money system that they have 
one man's debt is another man's profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, those two to cancel out, uh, you, to lose your debt, that means like, someone's going to lose a lot of profits. But on the other end, they will not be able, the people that, that, have, that had the debt, held the debt, they won't be able to use that debt to, to purchase from... Uh, from any producers anymore either so it, it will be a uh, quite a uh, disruptive uh, uh, pouring of everybody who actually holds these currency systems when they go to cancel out the debt mm-hmm. that's that's what the g20 is about the bail-ins you know how much money will we leave humanity with uh, to 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 well, actually, I don't care so much about keeping you going. It's how much money, like the the Obama program and stuff, how much, they, they will take the money out of your labors to support that, but they won't take the money out of any, out of any debt that uh, the, the dollar or whatever that you have accumulated, that they have already removed that. So, David, really what you're saying is that it's a very, very devious system that is destined for collapse upon itself. Yeah, it, you got to remember, this is not cash anymore. This is currency. Right, right. Yeah. All right, Dave, thanks f- so much. We really appreciate your input there. All right, bye-bye. Take bye-bye. care. And, you know, he brings up some Im- important points. The, the way the system works is very complex, and it's very complicated, and it's hard to understand, but the bottom line is it's so top-heavy, it cannot survive long-term. It just can't. You can't put a Band-Aid on $18 trillion of debt. It just doesn't work. You're right. Okay. Folks, again, if you have a thought, now would be the time. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. means we're on right now. If we can't get you on this hour, we'll get you on next hour. And don't forget, uh, if you have a smartphone, uh, sign up at your app store for our free app. Just type in Christian Questions. So, Jonathan, as we continue with this, and Dave, uh, again, thanks for the call. We appreciate the input. Um, you know, we're looking at anti-Semitism in this segment and the storm cloud of anti-Semitism. It's growing. It's rampant. And it doesn't seem to get a lot of attention. You know, we have a lot of attention given to a lot of things, but anti-Semitism, doesn't, we don't seem to be focusing on that. You're right. You're and, right. And it's, it's dramatic and it's very, very scary. In Psalm 83, we won't, we won't read the scripture right now because I don't think we have time. Psalm 83, 1 to 5, it talks about the idea that Israel is not through with their troubles. Right, right. And there will be a lot coming against them. And they will say, let's just go to verse 4 of Psalm 83. They have said, Come, and let us wipe them out as a nation. The name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind against you. They make a covenant. So this is prophecy of what will happen. Let us wipe them out as a nation. And you can see that anti-Semitic thought process growing and developing. absolutely. And this is why, Jonathan, it doesn't get a lot of attention. Because... Prophetically, there's going to be some very difficult times coming for Israel. That's right. But in the, those verses, he talks to them as if they're they're your treasured ones. Yes, he, he has such a, an apple. The gleam in his eye is yes. for his nation, and, and that's the good side of this. One quick quote from Kenji Mayazawa. I apologize for messing up the name. We must embrace pain and burn it as fuel for our journey. End of. The journey of Israel will be painful, but there is a silver lining to all of this anti-Semitism. You know, uh, um, uh, what was his, uh, Paul Harvey used to say, now, the rest of the story? Yes. Well, let's look at Romans eleven twenty-five to 29. 
For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, which I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So this is an amazing scripture in Romans 11. It's telling us unequivocally that God is not through with Israel. God has not cast them aside forever. They have been punished. There's no question. But the blindness will be removed, Rick. And that's the point. They have been blinded. The blindness will be removed until a fullness of the Gentiles come in. And it says in verse 28, they are beloved for the Father's sake. I mean, they are beloved. So the, the, the silver lining is, yes, all these difficulties are rising, but not to the point of eternal difficulty. Right. God will, in fact, intervene. Because God's love and promises for Israel's forefathers, they still have a place in God's plan. One last scripture, Jonathan, before we close up this segment. Israel is, in spite of all their coming troubles, going to be richly blessed. Now, Israel, Israel, the nation of Israel, the physical nation of Israel is what we're talking about here. Amos 9, 11, to four, 11, 14, and 15. In that day will I rise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. And I will bring again the captive of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. So you have a very physical prophecy about a very physical nation. This is a picture of the earthly kingdom. Who is beloved of God. So, anti-Semitism is a major storm cloud in the world in which we live. This is an eternal promise. And so the silver lining for anti-Semitism is the fact that there is eternal promise. And see, Jonathan, there's a trend here as we begin to close the first hour and get ready for the second hour. The trend is, yes, we have all of these amazingly big and scary storm clouds, financial trouble, dishonesty, anti-Semitism. These are three of many, many, many bad, bad fearsome storm clouds. They are. But each of these storm clouds has a silver lining, and the silver lining is God has it in hand. God sees it. God understands what's happening. He allows it to happen for the purpose of learning and will intervene at the proper time so that eternally the lessons will be learned. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we have a world in case. In the second hour, we're going to be touching on, on several other things. We're going to be talking a little bit uh, about Ebola. We're going to be talking a little bit about the, the, the crisis in, in Ferguson, Missouri, with, the, with the, the, trial of, uh, the grand jury trial of Darren Wilson, amongst other things. The point, folks, is that as we look at these great difficulties in the world in which we live, we can take heart in the fact that... They are big, and, and you know what? It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's, gonna, it's going to escalate before God calls it, you know, calls it off, so to speak. How about Randall mentioned Ebola? Yeah. What yeah. about that? Yeah, and uh, in the second hour, we're going to spend a, a segment talking about Ebola as a storm cloud. And then the silver lining, which is magnificent. And, and see, that's the thing. If we understand the silver linings are much bigger and better than the storm clouds. Yes. But here's the thing, folks. 
we have to be willing to go through the storm to get to the silver linings. That's just that's where it is. That's why the scriptures say this is a great time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, nor ever will be. And you know, for the elect's sake, God cuts the day short. And and that's again another silver lining to all of this. Trouble, yes. Big trouble, yes. Unbelievably big trouble. Yes, 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 absolutely. But that's not the end of the story. That's part of the necessary story to get to the blessings of God. So stay with us. If you were not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com. Click Listen Live. Stay with us. So much more to come. Much more important conversation about the world in which we live and how as Christians we can deal with it, face it, and be faithful to the calling of Christ. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back after the news and all that. But till then, a world in chaos. Should we, should you be afraid? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Somebody once said, the problem with troubleshooting is that troubleshoots back. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions. Talk radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we've got a very interesting subject on the table. It's a subject with lots of different facets. Yes, it is, Rick. And our question is, a world in chaos, should we be afraid? And our theme text is found in Luke chapter 21, verse 25. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. And when we th- we think about that scripture, first of all, that scripture is full of symbolism. It sure is. Yeah, last week's program, we were talking about studying the Bible and, and learning how to understand what the scriptures say. And, and one of the things we talked about is understanding that sometimes the thing said is not the thing meant. Exactly. And in this scripture in Luke 21, which is the Luke version of Jesus' great prophecy of his return of, of Matthew 24, mm-hmm. this is exactly one of those scriptures. It's not talking about the little sun and moon and stars. It's not talking about the earth. It's not, it's not talking about the sea and waves, but the sea and the waves are the, the restless masses of people. Right. And we have to understand that the symbolism of this is saying that the time of the return of Jesus is, oh, I don't know, just like today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely is. It is. And so Jesus is saying, when you see these things, you know, not that I'm on my way, but that I'm actually present, that I'm already here to bring an end to this world and to bring in the new world where Jesus told us to pray for, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Right. Yes. So in the process of transitioning from one world to the other, what we have is a massive storm. 
chaos. We have the chaos and the storm clouds gathering in the first hour. We talked about the storm clouds of financial disaster, the storm cloud of dishonesty and lack of integrity, especially those in, in government and high places. Right. And then thirdly, the storm cloud of anti-Semitism and how it is rampant in the world in which we live. Absolutely rampant. And it doesn't get a lot of press. It doesn't get a lot of attention. And that is one of the reasons why it's going to be such a major, major cloud of, of, of difficulty. So, Jonathan, the fourth storm cloud for our program today is what? The developing power and destructive presence of ISIS. And we've all heard of ISIS this year. ISIS basically seems like they came out of nowhere. This is it's an Islamic group that is looking to uh, take over the Middle East and eventually the world. That's that's their objective. That's their stated objective. That's a storm cloud. It is. And... and you know, that is reflected in the essence of what we call the time of trouble. Daniel 12.1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So Daniel says unequivocally, a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And he also says, at that time thy people shall be delivered. So you have the greatest trouble you've ever seen. And then you have the greatest deliverance you've wow, ever seen. Wow, we can look back in history and say, wow, there's been a lot of trouble. Yeah, but not like this. And see, that's the thing. You look back in history and you see trouble and the gathering clouds at different times. But we have a world, a world with billions and billions of people covered in these storm clouds that we're talking about this morning. And so connected one to another. Exactly. We, the world is much smaller, even though it's so much more populated. Yes. It's much smaller because of technology, because of the internet. We can see things happening in different places. So this storm cloud of ISIS is very present and very, very significant in, in the world in which we live. Jonathan, before we go further with the ISIS uh, conversation, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning to good, you. Good morning. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to answer your que the question at, at the end uh, about should we fear. But uh, a couple of things come to mind, you know, about Israel. To me, it's so real, uh, the role of that nation. Uh, just think, just think. No Israel, no Bible. The Bible is about the history of Jews, Jewish folks, isn't it, basically? Uh, number two, uh, people that hate Israel, they should be put on notice. Zechariah 2.8, whoso touches you touches the apple of my eye. And then uh, finally going to the, uh, should we fear, you know, your question. Uh, I'd like to read to you just a couple of verses from Isaiah uh, 35, verses 3 and 4. Uh, that, that I think they would, uh, uh, God is urging us the Christians uh, on uh, how to uh, react at a time like this. It's a great time of trouble. This Isaiah 35, verses 3 and 4, from the King James Version. Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. 
Thank you and God bless. Thanks, Julius. Appreciate your call. Uh, interesting. I like the way he said that. People who uh, are against Israel should be put on notice. And you go, wait, wait, where's he going with that? <laughs> but the scripture is very clear. You know, that, that, that God has a plan and Israel is a centerpiece. Physical Israel. Now, uh, you know, there, there are many... Christians that have different understandings and perspectives on Israel, but we truly believe that physical nation of Israel has a major positive blessing role to play in the plan of God. That's right. And so they're not it, forgotten. Right, exactly. Not only are they not forgotten, they are they are in line for great, great, great multitudes of blessing at the hand of God. Julius, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Uh, back to the storm cloud of ISIS. Now, the interesting thing about about ISIS, this Islamic State. Uh, and, and you know they go by ISIS and ISIL and all the different different variations. The whole point of it is an Islamic state. IS Islamic state. That's the key to to this organization. They are looking to take over the Middle East with their radical perspective on Islam. And they are fighting not only everybody, but they're fighting Muslims as well. Wow. So that that's very interesting that thing. Is. Malachi 4.1 is a good scripture to, to, to put this in perspective. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. So when we look at that, Jonathan, this day comes that shall burn as an oven. You can see the, the, the factors of that drawing together under these storm clouds. And now specifically when you look at this Islamic State movement, you've got to ask, okay, well, first of all, where did they come from? You know, how did ISIS get its start? Let's go to a NBC News report on that, the origins of ISIS. The Islamic State is really the descendant of al-Qaeda in Iraq, um, which began under Abu Musab al-Zarqawi. He took advantage of the disorder and disaffection amongst the Sunnis in Iraq after the U.S. invasion to establish this, this new group. The big thing that set al-Qaeda in Iraq apart from a lot of the other groups was it became very well organized very quickly. And this did a variety of things for it. One, it made it efficient and very effective at, at mobilizing fighters and resources. Another thing, though, is it made it very difficult to destroy the organization by killing its leaders. The United States began targeting the leadership of a variety of resistance movements, very successful um, targeting some of them. Some other leaders fled the country. And when that happened to a lot of these groups, they simply collapsed, whereas al-Qaeda loses leadership and is able to continue fighting. And this gives them a big advantage because they're then able to absorb some of the former fighters from these other groups. So you see a little bit of the development process where this this group came from. And you know the interesting thing, in the first hour we talked about dishonesty in, in, in government. Right. And you see how the, we get told things just for the sake of getting told so that they can do what they want. Yeah. Here, this is a little bit different. This is, this is, this is very honest. This is very honest. They're saying, yes, we're going to take over the world. And if you're in our way, we'll kill you. <laughs> There's a great honesty, but a horrible, horrible, horrible process. So much evil. Yeah. So either way, Jonathan, there, it's lose-lose in the world in which we live. Yes. That's really the bottom line. The, you know, that's why the day of trouble in the scriptures is also called the day of vengeance because God is going to put his vengeance upon the world for the incredible evil that, that we have perpetuated uh, through his creation. Isaiah 34, 8. For it is the day of Jehovah's vengeance 
and the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion. And again, the day of vengeance is part of the storm cloud. ISIS is a small part of that storm cloud, but it's not the end result. The controversy of Zion. Is there a controversy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's why, you know, anti-Semitism in the last segment and, and, you know, ISIS in this segment, there's a definite correlation between the two. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985 for all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, let's go back to that NBC News report on ISIS and just talk about, uh, hear about a little bit about targets uh, of this organization. Yes, they're violent, but there are lots of violent extremists. Um, you can look at Boko Haram and other groups in, in Africa and the Maghreb. But the real distinguishing feature is they're not just violent, they're incredibly effective. If you think about it, they've been fighting uh, to at least some extent the Syrian government, the Iraqi government, the Kurdish Peshmerga, the Free Syrian Army, uh, and they've made progress on all of those fronts that really has only been blunted recently by the application of U.S. air power. So, again, they're fighting amongst the, the, uh, the, the, the Islamic world. Wow. And, and the interesting thing, and we touched on, we didn't read it because we didn't have time, but we touched on Psalm uh, 83 mm-hmm. in, in the last segment, and that's talking about several nations coming against Israel. And right. a lot of those nations are Semitic nations, Muslim, if you will. Okay? In Ezekiel 38, though, after Psalm 83, there's others that come against Israel, but there are none of these Semitic nations involved. And these are two different prophecies that take place, you know, I think not exactly one exactly following the other, but there may be, ISIS may be, and I, this is pure speculation on my part, pure speculation. I want to make sure you understand it's pure speculation. <laughs> I got it. I okay. got it. <laughs> that ISIS may be a tool of God Almighty to eventually reduce the power of the Islamic nations uh, against uh, Israel. They will fight against Israel, they will lose, and they, this might be one of those tools to reduce their eventual power and authority. Interesting. We're going to have to keep our eyes open. So, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. All we know is it's a dark storm cloud, and it's a scary storm cloud. A, a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. When it is dark enough, you can see the stars. Only when it's dark enough can you see the stars. What's the silver lining here, Jonathan? We've got to go to the silver lining. To start that, you know, we're talking about war and dis, uh, discomfort and all that. Let's go to, you know that song, War? Oh, yeah. Well, let's go to the original uh, release of that from 1969, Edwin Starr. Wow. And, you know, you hear that, and everybody, I mean, everybody starts dancing in the studio. Here. <laughs> Put that on. You know, because it's catchy. It's like, what is war good for? It's absolutely nothing. But the problem with, with it, Jonathan, is in the world in which we live, that if, if, if people who stand for something at least somewhat righteous don't stand up against those who are unrighteous, you, you have to fight them. What would have happened if 
the United States didn't stand up against Hitler. Right, right. So you, you got all of that. But what's the silver lining to all of this? The absolute and dramatic turnaround of all of this, this ISIS activity and everything else, Zechariah 8, 21 to 23. The inhabitants of one will go to another saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So in that scripture, Jonathan, you have the complete turnaround from the anti-Semitism of the last segment. To loving and, Israel. Right. To not only loving, but respecting and following them. Yes. To see them as a pathway toward God Almighty. That's a powerful silver lining. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, a world in chaos. Should we be afraid? Coming up, what is the lesson from the tragedy in Ferguson? Will there be justice, true justice, with no prejudice? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, A World in Chaos, Should We Be Afraid? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, this morning we're talking, we're just featuring several storm clouds. Several storm clouds in the world in which we live that are scary. And the question is, should we be afraid? What should we do? What is the silver lining to each of these storm clouds? The fifth storm cloud is what? The restlessness of the masses who do not feel respected. And when you go to the theme scripture, it talks about perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Yes. That's what that scripture is talking about. The restlessness of the masses who don't feel respected. And Again, as an example of that. Now, this is not just the be-all, end-all. This is just a current example of that, is the situation in Ferguson. Yes. And any day now, there will be a decision from the grand jury as to whether Darren Wilson is innocent or guilty of in the shooting of Michael Brown. Okay. And so let's go to a soundbite, CNN soundbite on this, in terms of preparing, preparing for this grand jury decision in Ferguson. Ferguson is on edge. Some business owners are busy fortifying their shops. It's hurtful. It is really, really hurtful. Salon owner Constance Garnett says she can't afford to take a chance that unrest will crash head-on into the business she built here for the past 11 years. If they should come and loot our area, then it's going to cost us. Protests haven't stopped for three months on her street. So we asked one of the police's most confrontational protesters about those concerns. Now, as far as what's happened within the last 90 days, people will know that if you have been paying attention, there hasn't been any looting, no violence, whatnot. We've been keeping it completely peaceful. Nevertheless, plenty of folks worry that may change if the grand jury announcement goes against what protesters want, the indictment of Officer Darren Wilson for the killing of unarmed teenager Michael Brown. And that last line, Jonathan, I think is very telling. If the if the result is against what the protesters want, 
But what about the facts? Well, and, and see, that's that's the difficult part about this. What about the facts? The fact is, none of us are sitting in that room with the grand jury. No, we're not. None of us is hearing all of the evidence. No. None of us is seeing how the forensics puts it all together. So we don't know. Look, I don't know what the what the verdict is going to be. Me neither. But if the verdict comes down that the man is not guilty, he's not indicted. Based on the facts, based on the court. Then why would we have an explosion of of unrest if those are the facts see that's the disturbing part and again it's not it's it's people that feel disrespected i understand that i understand that now let's put that to scripture because this is a this is a very serious storm cloud oh it is and while this, the next scripture we're going to read is not about the events that transpired in Ferguson, it does show the principle of God's view of attitudes that are solely focused on their own agenda. Listen carefully. Zechariah chapter 7, verses 8 to 14. We're going to break it up into pieces. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. And do not despise evil in your hearts against one another. You do not devise evil. I'm sorry. Thank you. Devise. Okay. So, so really, in Zechariah, it's saying, God says, dispense true justice. Right. And that justice really does need to be blind. In, in Zechariah, it's saying, don't oppress the widow or the orphan or the stranger or the poor. Don't devise evil in your hearts against one another. This is God's instruction for mankind. This is how you treat one another, with pure, blind justice so that, th- that laws can be uh, kept and fulfilled the way they ought to be. Verse 11. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. Now, doesn't that sound strangely like what we see potentially developing I'm here? not listening. Yeah, but see, you know, I, again, the idea is with this protest thing, if the decision, if justice is not in accordance with what we want... We, we put our fingers in our ears and jump up and down and la, 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 I'm not listening, I'm not listening. Yep. This is Old Testament. That happened then as it happens now. But Rick, sometimes we block out reality to only hear what we you know, insist upon hearing. Right. We hear, we have selective hearing in these things. Yeah. And because of that, we create a tremendous storm cloud of unrest. We really, really, truly do. Uh, again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and, and that means we're on right now. And uh, don't forget, you can email us at rick at christianquestions.net. And don't forget to sign up for the Christian Questions app for your smartphone. Go to your smartphone store, type in Christian Questions, download that baby. It's a free service. Uh, so <laughs> It's cool, Jonathan. What can I tell you? It's just cool. Uh, so, you know, we, we tend to block out what we don't want to hear. So uh, this, and it's, it's, it's interesting to me that this is an Old Testament prophecy that clearly describes the things that we're looking at today. So let's continue in Zechariah chapter 7. Let's pick up with verses uh, 12 to 14. They made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. So they made their hearts like them. They hardened their hearts. They firmed up their hearts and said, this is what we want. This is what we're focused on. This is what we're going to get. And God looks at that as Israel and says, no, 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 no. 
They but, will they will be scolded. That's right. They're going there's going to be great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Now this was upon Israel, but in principle we can certainly see that same process being repeated again you, today. You can. Yes. And just as he called and they would not listen, they called and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts, but I scattered them with a storm wind among all the nations whom they have not known. Thus the land is desolate behind them, so that no one went back and forth, for they made the pleasant land desolate. So this is interesting. And, and Jonathan, here is the sort of the, the recompense for that attitude. So in, in Zechariah it says, just as he called, God called to Israel, and they would not listen because they were too busy stopping up their ears wanting what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So God says, as a result of that, they will call on me, and I won't listen. I won't listen because I will give them what they gave out to show them the injustice of their own actions. So God That's what a father does to teach yes, his child. Exactly. Exactly. And as a result, it says the land is desolated behind them. And we know that prophetically that came true. It did. They they the, the land was left desolate as a result of Israel's not listening to God. And what we're seeing is the storm cloud of the restlessness of the masses who don't feel respected. And, and look, you know, what we feel overrides reality, unfortunately. It's sad. Emotion it, is, is a, a and, wicked foe. And we're all subject to that. We are. So we, we look at the situation in Ferguson, and it's not a, ma- a matter of pointing fingers and say, look at what they're doing. Oh, shame on them. It's shame on us. It's shame on us for allowing the emotions of our lives to get in the way of the reality of what really should be. And in Ferguson, it's just a very clear example of that unrest, that wanting something, whether it's right or not. That's sad. It is. It's very difficult. A quote from Robert Brault. Sometimes in tragedy, we find our life's purpose. The eye sheds a tear to find its focus. And, you know, when we look at this, we, I, I love that quote because tragedy brings out real, true reality sometimes. You're right. And we need to be able to really focus on it. And we need to see what's important in, in our lives. And, and, you know, we're talking about unrest and the difficulties. And what happens in these situations, Jonathan, is there's one group of people that set themselves against another group of people. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in the Ferguson situation, it ends up looking like a black versus white kind of thing. And that's really, really, really unfortunate. That's sad. Because for most of us, that, that sense of, of, of racism really isn't part of our everyday life. No, but we do want justice. Of course we do. And, but the thing is, if justice isn't what I want, then what do I want? Oh, no. Do I really want justice? Do I, Rick, really want justice? Or do I want what I want justice to be? Ooh. See, Ooh. that's, that's, that's the difficulty. That is. So let's take a pause from that difficulty and go to another piece of music, a verse, the last verse from uh, uh, Beth Midler's song, From a Distance. And, and, you know, in this verse, listen to the words because it's talking about those on one side and those on the other and the, asking the question essentially what are we doing from a distance you look like my friend even though we are warm from a
God is watching us. Just like in the Zechariah scripture, God is watching us. What do we do with the application of true blind justice in our lives? Do we want what we want or do we want what's right? God is watching. It's the, it's, this is in the heart of every man. Every man truly does, I believe, want true absolute justice. Yes. I think everybody I, I, does. I agree. And here's the silver lining. The silver lining is clear. Justice, true justice, will be served with compassion. Isaiah 42, 1-4. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. And this is speaking of Jesus. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. That's a breath of fresh air. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not quench. So it talked about bringing justice, and then it talks about great compassion. And, and see, that's what true justice is. It is putting things exactly in order with great compassion. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. So three times in those verses it talks about Jesus bringing justice. And that is a silver lining if ever there was oh, one. Oh, it is. We may not be able to accept justice. We may not even be able to bring justice. With compassion, forgiveness, mercy, oh, the but way it should be. That is the silver lining to come from the storm cloud of the restless masses who don't feel respected. Don't worry. God's got this. Justice will, in fact, prevail. prevail. And, and all, in fact, Jonathan, will have an opportunity to prosper. Micah 4, verses 3 and 4. And he will judge between many peoples and renders decisions for mighty, distant nations. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they train for war. Each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. So you have a great silver lining to this storm cloud of restlessness. No fear. No fear. Wow. There's no reason to fear. Now look, right now, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. But it's not going to stay that way forever. That's not the end result. That is the means to the end result. And the means is to allow mankind to do the things that he would do on his own terms, so we as a race can learn how sinful sin is. Yes. And then can put ourselves under the watchful eye of Jesus. That's really what this is all about. That's what we're focusing on. That's the silver lining to this great storm cloud. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, a world in chaos. Should we be afraid? Coming up, what about the Ebola epidemic? Should we be afraid? Should we be cautious? Should we care? That's next. You're 
are listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, A World in Chaos, Should We Be Afraid? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, each segment of the program today, we've been talking about storm clouds and silver linings. And each segment's been a different storm cloud and a different silver lining. Right. And we're only touching on six storm clouds. Why only six? Because we have six segments to the two-hour program. That's why. (laughs) There's lots, lots more, and there's lots more silver linings as well. So many storm clouds today. What's the sixth storm cloud for today's program? Rampant disease and despair spreading throughout the world. And, of course, when you think about rampant disease and despair, you think about Ebola. Right. Because it's very real, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, very prevalent in society in the world today. Today. This is not something that happened several years ago. This is something that is continuing to happen right now. So let's get a little bit of a a sense of Ebola. We're going to go from just to justonthis.com to get a a little bit of a description, and then we're going to get some facts and figures here. You have a temperature and no appetite. Your head is aching and your throat is sore. It may appear as though a common cold is lurking, but unbeknownst to you the vicious Ebola virus has started to attack your immune system. The virus destroys the same cells as those targeted by HIV, though the Ebola infection is more aggressive, wiping out the building blocks of the body's immune system. It has an incubation period. That is the time from infection to when the first symptoms present themselves, of between 2 and 21 days, increasing the risk of the highly infectious illness spreading. So you get a sense, uh, and that's a scary, that's a scary soundbite, because it's like, okay, you think you're getting a cold, but no, you're really getting Ebola. Now, no, look, we're not trying to scare everybody. Ebola has to be passed on from one person to another. Right, Okay, right. so it's not going to just drop into some place where it never has been. It has to be carried there. But the, the, the fact is that it's here, it's in the world, and it is a dramatic epidemic that has, has created quite a stir, and rightfully so. This is one of those storm clouds. Let's go to uh, just a little bit of uh, information, if you will, from internationalsos.com on Ebola. They, they do uh, periodic updates on what's happening and how many infections are reported where. So this is their update from the 8th of November of this year from the World Health Organization. The latest Ebola response roadmap situation report from the World Health Organization, who reports that up to 4 November, there has been 13,268 cases and 4,960 deaths worldwide due to Ebola. Active transmission is ongoing throughout Syria, Lyon, and the capital cities in each country remain hotspots for disease spread. So this is, uh, you know, you, you say, well, that's old information because it's way back on November 8th. I <laughs> mean, it's a week ago. But, but again, 13,000 cases, about 5,000 deaths back then, and it just continues to rise. It continues to climb. And it's, it's a very, very scary thing. It is, it is. And so, again, let's go to our theme text, Luke 21, but let's read now verse 25 and add verse 26 to it. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among the nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Man fainting from fear and the expectation of things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heaven 
will be shaken. So you have in the prophecy of Jesus' return, at the time of his return, these are the conditions. And Ebola, while Ebola is not the, the you know, the, 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 the final disease, if you will, I think that's going to end the world as it is. Right, no, no. But it is a symptom. It is showing us what's happening in the world around us. It's showing us, it's an example of the fear that is, the, that is coming upon the perplexity and the roaring of the sea. Again, one of those signs. Yes, one of the many signs, and it's a very dark storm cloud. But Jonathan, outside of Ebola, let's change gears for a moment, because Ebola, at, look, my, my daughter is an emergency room nurse. So she sees it all. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and so we we, wow. we we get from her what's happening and what their preparation is and and so forth and so on. And frankly, early on in this Ebola thing, she was very distressed at the the lack of 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 response that the hospitals were giving. Oh boy, uh, because they just didn't seem to be taking it seriously. And you know, as the, an emergency room nurse, you have no idea what you're facing when it walks in the door. You're right. You have you're right. no idea. So, you know, it, it, it's very real to me because my daughter works in, in that kind of a situation. Sure, she sure. works in a big city. She works at night in an emergency room. What does that tell you? She's in the middle of oh. a lot of very serious things. There are other diseases that we don't think about and talk about so much but really belong in this conversation. This comes from uh, CDC.gov, uh, and this is in relation to sexually transmitted diseases. Jonathan, these statistics absolutely blew me away. CDC estimates that nearly 20 million new sexually transmitted infections occur every year in this country, half among young people ages 15 to 24. Each of these infections is a potential threat to an individual's immediate and long-term health and well-being. In addition to increasing a person's risk for HIV infection, STDs can lead to severe reproductive health complications such as infertility and a topic a pregnancy. STDs are also a serious drain on the U.S. health care system, costing the nation about $16 billion in health care costs every year. But the amazing thing to me is that there are nearly 20 million new sexually transmitted infections in the United States every year. Every year. New. Now, a lot of these, understand, some of these diseases don't go away. Wow. They stay with you for your life. Wow. Okay, so if there's 20 million new... What does that tell you about the condition of our world? Not good. No, it's not. It's, and this is a very, very dark storm cloud when you think about this. It's it is. A, it's the kind of thing you look at and say, wait a minute. Well, you know, where are we? What, what's really happening here? And, and, and I don't want to get on a soapbox on this, but I probably end, will end up, so I'm going to apologize <laughs> ahead of time. But understand something very, very basic and very simple. Sexually transmitted diseases happen when people uh, are, are, are loose with their sexual partners. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. you go from one person to another. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, one night and the next night, next night. But, but again, several, having multiple sexual partners increases the odds of a sexually transmitted disease. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's, it's a monumental percentage. Sure, sure. So here's the thing. If you look at this and you say, well, you know, this is all part of the freedom of the world and people have a freedom to express themselves. And look at what happens as a result of that freedom of expression. It's life-changing. It is. It is. And it is rampant. It yes. is not something that is just here or there, that you hear a little bit about here or there. These are things that, that like you said, are life-changing and they're incredibly common because we've lost our grip on living a moral life.
Yes. That's where it's come from. Now, Ebola is not because we've lost our grip on living a moral life. No. And that is something that is very contagious and so forth. But this is. This is a sign. Another sign. Exactly. 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 It's another sign of a world gone bad. And look, what do you do with all of this? We say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's what we say. A quote, a Jewish proverb, Jonathan. I ask not for a lighter burden, but for broader shoulders. And, you know, I think that that's such a, an important quote to, as we begin to wrap up the program and get to the silver lining, is we're not asking God to take away the difficulties of the world. No. What no. we are asking for is the understanding to bear them and to focus on the silver lining rather than the dark cloud. And to try to be an example to those around us of Christ-likeness. Exactly. So now what is the silver lining to this? The silver lining is really simple. God knows. He's always known, and he's always had his plan in place for relief of all of these things. Isaiah 35, verses 5 through 10. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. So what you see is healing there. You see great healing, all different kinds of healing, and that's very, very good news. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place. Grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ravenous beast go up upon it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So the silver lining is that all of this, all of this distress, all of the disease, all of the dysfunction, all of the the lack of morality, the lack of integrity, the wars, the wars, the the rumors of wars, the 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 the, the racial tensions, all of these things will be dissolved Yay. in accordance with the will of God for the benefit of all mankind for eternity. That's the way the scriptures frame it. So if the f- scriptures frame it like that, I'm in. Me too. Okay? You follow what the scriptures say, you look at the difficulty, then you say, but at the end, there's something much better. So what do we have, Jonathan? We've been talking about fear. Right. We have fear, and now we see that we can look at, at fear in two different ways. So we're going to use the word fear as an acronym, F-E-A-N-R. So the first way is going to be what happens with fear. So fear is really what? Foolish, emotional, that alters reality. So fear. It's a foolish emotion, F-E, that alters A-R, reality. That's what it is. That's fear is a foolish emotion. It alters reality. How should fear be looked upon when we have the, 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 the silver lining of the scriptures to show us the end result of all these things? F is for what? Faith is a decision, not an emotion. And see, that's one of the main keys of this whole lesson, Jonathan, is These are big, bad, disturbing, powerful, destructive storm clouds we've talked about. Yes. But faith is a decision, not an emotion. We can still feel afraid, but we don't have to live afraid. Because faith, you decide to put your faith in something, and it's not how you feel about it. It's it's how you live. So F is for faith, a decision, not an emotion. E? Expectation. 
Here is where you test the roots of your faith. Okay, so now faith, you, it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to have faith in the scriptures, I'm going to have faith in God's overruling, I'm going to have faith in his plan. But So that means that you have to now therefore have an expectation. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and that expectation needs to be based on something that you look at as being true. God's word. And that's where you test the roots of your faith. It, your expectation is what? Our expectation is God's got it in hand and there will be a good ending because the prophecies tell us that. That, not, that silver lining's coming. Right. It's not because we want to believe that. Well, no. it, we do want to, but it's because the scriptures teach us yes. this. So E is for expectation. A. Action. Here is where you test the reality of your faith. So, okay. So we can have faith and we can have expectation. But you have to live by it, Rick. You have to do something about your faith and that shows how real your faith is. You have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And for a Christian, our faith has to be standed and grounded in Scripture. And our, the last letter in fear, is what? Rejoice. Okay, so we have faith, expectation, action, and rejoice. And here is where you witness the results of your faith. And sometimes, Jonathan, the results, the rejoicing, comes in the middle of the storm. Now understand that the rejoicing doesn't happen after the storm is over. It doesn't come when the storm when the storm clouds have passed and we can say, "Wow, that was a close call." Folks, the rejoicing comes in the midst of the storm. In these six storm clouds that we've talked about today, we have every right and every ability to stand up for and rejoice in God's overruling. But we're not just rejoicing for us. We're rejoicing for everyone. And now, now you know that sounds like wow, boy, you know you're 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 turning a blind eye to reality. Like, oh, you're going to be all happy when you know there might be rioting in Ferguson. You're going to be all happy when thousands of people are dying from Ebola, when ISIS is trying to take over the world, when the when the United States is falling apart financially, when there's there's d- distrust and dishonesty in all forms of government. You're, you're happy? No, we're not happy for those things. We're happy that those things are only temporary. We're happy and we're rejoicing the fact that God's plan understood those things ahead of time, labeled those things ahead of time, and said, by the way, here's how it's going to happen, and here's what the end result is going to be. The fix. That's why we can be happy in the middle of the storm, because we know that the ending of the storm is not complete destruction. We know that the ending of the storm is not a complete undoing of humanity. It is a complete undoing of present society. That's a good thing, because present society can't keep itself in order. God's society can bring order to the disorder of the world. God's society will bring order to the disorder of the world. But first, this stuff has to come down. The storm must come. The storm must be difficult and hard. But through it all, rejoice because your redemption draws nigh. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We certainly enjoyed being with you. Tough subject, but again, there is a silver lining for every storm cloud. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Till next week, a world in chaos. Should we be afraid? Well, now look, that's an emotion. Think about what you're going to do with that. Have faith. God's got it. Till next week, think about it.